And we've got a special guest with us this morning who managed to fly in yesterday afternoon before the winds arrived, Reverend Jean Kerr, who will be speaking to us. Jean heads up Thy Kingdom Come for the Archbishops of Canterbury and York, and I'm sure she'll tell you a bit more about that a bit later. But Richard, are you... Letter to the Ephesians, chapter 1, beginning at verse 3, and is on page 205 of the New Testament section of the Bibles. From verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, to be holy and blameless before him in love. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and insight, he has made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and things on the earth. In Christ we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we, who were first to set our hope on Christ, might live for the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance towards redemption as God's own people, to the praise of his glory. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe according to the working of his great power. God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. 
And the second reading is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, which is on page 12 of the New Testament section of the Bibles, uh, beginning at verse 25. At that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Uh, Father God, we thank you for this place, this time, for your presence by your spirit, for the children amongst us, and for the hope you've given us in Jesus. Amen. Uh, it's great to be here with you. My name's Jean. I'm, uh, it was a lovely welcome. Thank you very much, uh, Ian. The tr- I'm not in charge of the whole of thy kingdom come, just all the churches in England. So that's not a lot, you know. Uh, two days a week, I work out of my back bedroom in Deal, which is near Dover. So uh, you, you get the drift of this. Uh, It's absolutely brilliant. You know, um, Paul and I are retired canons of Rochester Cathedral, and we thought when we retired, we would sit down, do our knitting, you know, whatever. We didn't know what retired clergy did, but we thought that's what they might do. And uh, after about three weeks, we thought, nah, I had enough of this. And lo and behold, we get a call for us to be involved, and we're taking Thy Kingdom Come, which is the Archbishop's Prayer Initiative, around the UK in trying to inspire. My job description says I'm to inspire and enable every Christian in the Church of England to take part. Come on, come on. It's a hard job I've got. But I have to tell you that actually I'm living the dream. I'm absolutely living the dream. And it's not just because I come to meet lovely people here in wonderful Jersey. It's a dream life that's not about money and it's not about health. It's not about career or position in society. It's not about how many degrees I might have or how many books I may have written. It's not about the number of conferences I've spoken about. It's not even about the world travel. I'm living the dream because of one thing. I am in Christ. Did you pick that up from the Ephesians reading? In Christ, it goes on and on and on about being in Christ Because I'm in Christ, it's who I am and what I am. And that's why I'm here today, because I'm in Christ. You know, the phrase is used 100 times in the Bible and 34 times in Ephesians. Now, when somebody keeps telling you something, what does it mean? It's important. So sit up, take note. It's important. 
What Paul is saying here is there's something really profoundly true for you guys and for all of us. When we're in Christ, everything changes. Because in Christ, it makes a whole difference to our ordinary lives. Complete and utter difference. When you're in Christ, somebody said this, all that is true of Jesus changes all that is true of us. Do you get that? So his love, his compassion, his holiness, his suffering, his resurrection, his spiritual power changes all in us that is not yet like him. Now, I think that's the most fantastic news that I don't have to stay as I am, that Christ can change me. And so actually my tendency, you know, to greed, to self-preservation, to wanting to hit back when other people have hurt me, my prejudices start to be changed once I allow Jesus to be infused into my life. You know, if you leave a tea bag in a mug of hot water for long enough, it goes a very different colour, doesn't it? In the same, being in Christ and allowing that infusion to happen, I start to change. Now, for me, I've been very blessed in having a very specific experience. Many, many years ago, I wasn't ordained, but I was in sharing ministry with my husband, who's also ordained. We lived in Rochdale. Now, if you've been to Rochdale, it's the wrong side of the railway track. Do you know that phrase over here? You know, where you, th- you think of something's nice and you go to the opposite. That's where we lived. And it was Good Friday, and uh, we were there. There were about four in church. And uh, I'm sitting there thinking to God, I don't know what I'm doing here. Do you ever do that? He can't hear He can't see you, so he can say yes. It's all right. He's not looking. Yeah, that's going like that. They said yes. They said yes. Did you say? You said yes. Oh, that's better still. And as I'm sitting there and I'm saying to God, I don't know what this is about. We're really struggling here. Over the altar, there was a big crucifix with a, a Jesus figure on it. And as I looked there, you know, with not a holy thought in my head, I saw the figure of Christ come off the cross. And he came towards me, and I was so astounded. I looked round, thinking everybody would see this. And the others had their heads down, because they're probably holy. And as he came towards me, I was blown away by this experience of the love of God completely and utterly blown away. And from that moment, regardless of what I feel about people or situations, I cannot help but love them. I haven't, somehow it's not in me not to love, not to forgive, not to want to go the extra mile. And so that being in Christ for me has had a very dramatic and personal experience. Because when you're in Christ, you are, it opens us up. And we're transported to a whole new world. You know, you start to see people differently. And you start to understand society's ills in a different way. It doesn't just, oh, that's terrible. Something inside of you starts to change. And lo and behold, Christ starts to use you to change things in society. It gives a new way of understanding his power and his healing. And it's not about rules or shoulds or ought. It's about the character of Jesus just coming and infusing us. And it changes our morality and it changes our ethics. Everything infused with the love of God. I live in Deal and I found myself when we moved there because, you know, we don't have a church anymore. 
which is f absolutely fabulous because we can go where we want, when we want, sort of, I find myself walking down the street and I found myself starting to smile at everybody, even when I didn't know them. You know, so I'd smile. And, you know, sometimes people smile back. It's great. But something else started to happen to me. I started to hear this voice in my head saying, do they know you, Lord? Do they know you? So every time I smile, and sometimes they smile back, I'm saying, do they know you, Lord? And if they don't, bless them. And we're walking on. I mean, whether they think I'm completely, utterly mad or not, I don't know. Because they don't know what I'm praying. And my prayer life has got a new freedom to it. All these strangers, and I may never know the result of this ministry of praying simply down the street. The love of God compels us when we're in Christ, when we've given our lives to Christ. Isn't that great? Because you get a bit more enthusiastic about this. You know, I, if you come to a presentation I'm doing tomorrow night, you will hear about what it means when you were not in Christ and what it means now. Because I think we've got very careless with this. We've forgotten the huge privilege of being in Christ. So it's great for individuals, but there's more. When in the Bible God speaks and Jesus speaks, he often doesn't just speak to individuals, he speaks to groups of people, to communities, to all of God's people in a group. We might say he speaks today to this church, not just to the individuals in it. And I do believe there is a calling, a vocation, a delight, also a huge challenge to every church to be an in Christ community. That is, as a whole church to be called in Christ. And that's really interesting, you know, because it, it directs vision for the church. When you're in Christ, it will direct your vision. It will direct how you are with each other. It will direct how you serve the communities in which God has placed you in your leisure time and your work. And that is just an amazing thing. I, I do a lot of vision setting with churches and they want a nice little brochure, you know, with it all written out. And I say, when you are an in Christ community, it will transform everything for you. And that is why I am so passionate about thy kingdom come. Because an in Christ community will want to pray for others to know the love of Jesus. Now, can I ask you a question? Do you have people in your life who are not yet Christians? Could you indicate? I'm not going to ask you to come out or anything like that. Do you, do you have a brother or a sister or a neighbor who's not, who's not in Christ yet? Right, okay. So the question for us as Christians is, how are we going to enable the love of God to be experienced by them? So thy kingdom come is about asking you to do a simple thing. It's asking you to pray simply for five people. Now, if you, if you haven't got five, one will do. If you've got 50, you can pray for 50. Now, some of you will have come and been given this. If you've got it, and I haven't got enough for everybody, if you've got it, sort of somebody says it's a shoelace. Well, that'll do. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be leather. It can be a bit of string. It can be anything. Simple way of praying. You, tie, you think of your first person, you tie a knot in it. So here's my brother... My brother I have prayed for for years and years and years, and I'm, I'm saying I'm seeing nothing, till last year he suddenly sent me an Easter card. 
which was very peculiar for him. Very peculiar. So maybe there's a hint there. There's another knot in my little piece of leather here. This is my hairdresser, Barbara. Twelve years I've prayed for her. It cost me a fortune, but I'm praying. (laughs) A single mum, and there was nothing until her grandfather died, and then her mother, and then her father. So I'm not giving you stories of you pray two minutes and it's done. This is about committing yourself, because you are in Christ, to pray for people. And then I have the, my next-door neighbours, because we live on a tiny new estate with all young people. All the men work nights to pay for the mortgages. One of them's an evangelical vegan. You need to know that. Everybody has to be a vegan. And so I've got four, and then I have a little girl next door called Summer. And they asked us to baptise Summer, and they didn't go to church. And my church said no. You had to go for six months before they could be baptised. And I understand why. I found a little church who would let us baptise Summer. And then I heard the story. That actually they'd chosen not to get married. They wanted to spend the money on bringing a new life into the world. And this baby was an IVF baby. And I would never have heard that story. And when I said, why do you want Summer to be baptised? Because we grew up knowing the stories of Jesus and we want her to. So there's my five. You may, you know, you can put it on your wrist, you can tie it on your pocket, you can put it in your pocket, but why not commit yourself to praying for five people from the 21st of May to the 31st of May? Then, you, some of you have got a little card, so if tying knots in leather stuff isn't your thing, you've got a little card here, and you can simply write the names on. We have two prayer journals we're giving you for free. Again, simple things to read, to pray, to make notes what God is saying. A small, a bigger one, a tiny one, if this one's too big for your pocket. Then, we are promoting this year, and it will come online, this adventure prayer map. Now, I haven't given you these. These are really for the children. And it works on an app, and when the children go on it, The QR code will bring out games, will bring out testimonies, will bring out inspirational things to help the children pray. Is this not important to you? I mean, this is lovely having children here. But I want you to think what it's like, because having this noise in the background is excellent. Because this is what it's like in the world. There's all the noise of the world... And here we are. And finding that way to break through that. And for us, the primary way is we start praying. The rest is simply up to God. And then if you've got families making kingdom kits, and what I'm going to do is leave some of these. But this will all be explained much more tomorrow night. So where are you up to? What are we going to do today? Do you remember that saying they used to have in the States, you know, tie a yellow ribbon on an old oak tree, which was about bringing men back from war, wasn't it, safely? Well, there's a prayer tree out there. Do you have somebody on your heart today that you just long that they would be helped by God? If so, you take one of the little yellow ribbons that's at the side there and you simply say the name to God and tie it on the tree. 
and then leave it. You see, we're not asking you to do huge things. We're asking you to be true to your vocation of being in Christ. And that is to pray that others will know his love. Thy Kingdom Come is a worldwide movement of prayer now. Millions and millions of people. My colleague is in Japan at the moment doing the self-same thing. I shall go from here to Guernsey and eventually up to Lerwick and all over in between. The question, dear church, is do you want to be part of what God's doing or not? Because if you don't, that's fine. He never bullies you. But if you do, come on, let's get our act together. In Jesus' name. Okay? Amen.